a week. My voice was kind of shot yesterday. I've been using it too much this week, so I apologize if I sound a little froggy, a little different today. I thought about maybe taking a break, but I want to see on course. I will not speak for the rest of the day after this. (laughs) You can trust me on that. Yeah, California's drought conditions, man, they're getting worse. Our three major reservoirs here are all under 50% capacity now, and that's kind of concerning. I've been talking for years about how water is eventually going to become a commodity, and now I'm reading these essays that they sound hyperbolic, but I don't doubt that it might become true, and that's the prediction that at some point in the future, water is going to be more expensive to buy than gas, and that sounds crazy. You know, we can't live without water. We can live without gas. But the fact that we're getting these really harsh winters and harsher summers by the year, it's just no coincidence, man. And you can doubt global warming all you want, but I firmly believe it's a definite threat. This is why I don't waste water if I can help it. But anyway, do you guys remember this story from a few months ago? This woman, I guess she ran out of hairspray. So she used Gorilla Glue in her hair instead and ended up calling out for help on social media. Her video went viral. As you know it would, right? Because sometimes these things just seem too bizarre to be true. So I found the clip in my archives and I want to bring this back to you so I can finish this story. Bad, bad idea. Yo, look, my hair... It don't move. You hear what I'm telling you? It don't move. I've washed my hair 15 times and it don't move. What have you used to try to get it out? Um, We did the baby oil. We did cooking oil, olive oil. She also tried washing it out with shampoo. Nothing got rid of the glue. So Tessica posted this video on TikTok, hoping for advice. Instead, she was ridiculed. Okay, remember now? All right, so get this. Tessica Brown, the woman who went viral after applying Gorilla Glue adhesive spray to her hair, has announced a new venture, a hair care line. (laughs) She will take inspiration from her hair care woes, which made her famous in February. In her announcement on Instagram, Brown uh, Brown revisited her viral moment before launching her pitch, for an $18 growth stimulation hair oil. She shared that she'd been working on the line for months. Listen, this story is so transparent. You could see through it if you're blindfolded. And hey, if this is legit, good for her. You know, turning a tragedy into a positive business venture. Thumbs up, right? But dude, I can smell a rat from 50 feet, and this one's like three inches from my face. She's been working on the line for months. How many months? Because this debacle with your hair just went down in February. And even if this is legit, would you trust this woman with your hair? You know what I think? Here's what I think. I think this hair care company, Forever Hair, that's what they're calling it. I think they reached out to her and said, look, we're a startup hair care company trying to break through. It's hard out there for a pimp, you know. And you're the perfect front man for this product. Say it's your company. Leave us out of it. We'll give you a 25% cut of our profits. That's what I think happened here. 
is the worst that would be true is that she indeed has been working on the product for months. Well, maybe not for months, longer than that. And she played everybody by pretending to have used Gorilla Glue in her hair and then went viral under false pretenses so she could pimp this new product. But even that, I have little faith that that's true. Now, I wouldn't take issue with this if I didn't know a thing or two about the hair care and cosmetic industry. I know that it takes years of R&D and testing in order to get a product to market, not to mention FDA approval. That's the big thing. This falls under the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, and then the Fair Packaging and Labeling Act. The FDA regulates cosmetics under laws like this, and to get approval takes a very long time. Ask craft breweries how long it takes just to get a label approved by the FDA, let alone the beer. At this point, you would need to be a goddamn genius to develop something new in cosmetics. This woman doesn't know the first thing about developing a hair care product, or she wouldn't have used Gorilla Glue spray in her hair. And the hair care industry is glutted to begin with. So if you're going to be developing anything groundbreaking at this stage of the game, you've got to be a damn genius. And geniuses don't put Gorilla Glue in their hair. Case in point, look up this company. It's called Decium. They produce a product line called The Ordinary. I know all about the founder, Brandon. My late wife was deeply involved in the beauty industry. 25 plus years. I mean deep. And I was around this shit 24-7 for a long ass time. You need to be on your A-plus game if you're producing hair care products. So I call bullshit on Tessica. Sorry. And this is exactly what is wrong with these viral videos and social media fame whores. And I, again, I'm blaming Kim Kardashian for all this. She got famous for sucking a dick on video and accidentally on purpose leaks it to the public. That's how the floodgates opened. And now everyone wants to be famous for doing nothing. Or in this case, something really stupid. No shame. Okay, so let's get into it. So a group of athletes took the NC2A to court. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, it made it all the way to the Supreme Court. Or I'll call it the final nine. <laughs> you see what I did there? Now that joke I did right. And if you understand the Supreme Court, you'll get that joke. Okay, seriously. Anyway, so this week, uh, these athletes were given the gift that they've been waiting for since like forever. As you know, college athletes not only don't make any money from playing sports for colleges, they're prohibited from taking any gifts at all. Like if a coach buys them a hot dog, it's a problem. They can be suspended, lose their status. The NC2A is run like the Gestapo. You know, they get to make the money. You shut up, dribble, pass, run, whatever. Old boys club shit. And I've always seen this as lopsided, and I'm not alone. Colleges make bank off of TV rights, ticket sales, endorsement deals, you name it. Heads of colleges make tens of millions of dollars annually. Coaches rake it in. The players, they get a free education. Let me be serious here. If that's what, as if half, half of these guys are there for that. Sometimes, even if they are chasing a degree, they're not able to take critical classes for the majors 
because it might interfere with practices or games. So put all of that into perspective. So the athletes, they maintain that the NC2A has basically been operating a system that violates the nation's antitrust laws. But the NC2A countered that its rules are exempt from antitrust laws because they're aimed at preserving amateurism in college sports and because the rules, and I quote, widen choices for consumers by distinguishing college sports from professional sports. Like anyone wouldn't know the fucking difference. Give me a break. So that flew about as well as a 450-pound food giant jumping off a diving board. Now, the NC2A has to pay athletes, and Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh is turning out to be very solid to me. Think about how this guy got beaten up at his confirmation hearings. Liberals were having a shit fit. Look at this man's track record so far. Half the time, he hardly seems like a conservative. Kavanaugh pulled no punches. He said that no alumni or tradition can justify the NC2A's decision to build a massive money-raising enterprise on the backs of student-athletes who are not fairly compensated. Right, So this is a business. Don't fool yourselves here. They're in business to make money, and they make a ton of it. Vegas rakes it in during the bowl season, every March. Justice Kavanaugh said that nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate. The NC2A is not above the law. And think about this for a second. It's totally true. The NC2A has been handcuffing these kids for years. And a lot of these kids, think about this, poor as fuck. Most of them are raised in single-family homes, come from the projects, usually you know, by their moms or their grandmothers. Money isn't just a commodity. It's necessary and as soon as possible. That's why so many of these kids, they don't even enter college anymore. If they're really good, they'll go, from the, they'll go to the draft out of high school when they turn 19. And the NC2A even has rules that bar athletes from earning money from their name, image, and likeness. And the schools have been taking that money. Can't even strike endorsement deals. Hey, gravy trains don't last forever. And I, for one, I'm happy as a pig and slop to see this. It's about time we start leveling the playing field here. And this doesn't mean that schools have to offer allowances for athletes. It's up to the school. But it does mean that these kids can be wined and dined by scouts, potential agents, and make money from endorsements. It's a plus for these kids. They've been getting screwed for years. And right now, there are only a handful of schools that this applies to. One of them is Alabama. Now, you think Alabama were getting the cream of the crop before? Wait until these kids get a chance to get paid on top of that. Game over, NC2A. You deserve this. Had it coming. This has been child exploitation like we've never seen it. And everyone's been turning a blind eye to it. I'm waiting for the Little League kids to file a lawsuit against ESPN. <laughs> get some ad revenue. You know, where's their share? Hey, listen, not to talk too much sports. And I'm glad that we're getting the Summer Olympics in Japan next month. Finally. Got postponed last summer. But be prepared. This might be boring as hell to watch. But at least we're getting the Olympics, okay? Like, if you thought the Oscars were bad, listen to this shit. 
Japan's being super cautious because of COVID, understandably. They canceled it last year. So it's a miracle that this is even taking place. And by super cautious, I mean they're going way too far. First, they're not allowing any people outside of Japan to attend. On the surface, that sounds kind of fucked up, unfair. Because I got to wonder, how many fans from Japan are going to be rooting against a Japanese team or an athlete in any given event? And Japan, traditionally, has never been stellar at the Summer Olympics. They finish like 11th or 6th or something. Not horrible, but certainly not dominant. Watch this one. Watch how they rank this year. I don't like it. it. Smells like bad sushi already. But let's be fair to the people of Japan. They're very gracious people. I'm sure they'll support whoever wins at any event. Okay, so no visitors from other countries. And I, I, I kind of agree with that because let's be safe. In addition to that, they're limiting attendance at each event to 10,000 spectators. I've got no problems with that. Social distancing, I get it, I understand. Here's where it gets a little funky. Cheering is not allowed. God forbid you should open your mouth for a few seconds and spread some COVID while you cheer. Like I was okay with all the rules up to that. No cheering. You can clap your hands and cheer in your minds, they said. <laughs> what kind of funky New Age bullshit is that? Cheer in your minds. Like the fans are supposed to telepathically send cheers to the athletes. Can you imagine how this shit show is going to look on TV? No crowd noise, just clapping. This isn't the ballet, motherfuckers. It's the goddamn Olympics. This is going to suck. I'm already nicknaming it the Dumber Olympics. And please tell me they're at least going to maybe pipe in some crowd noise like pro sports did during the lockdown. That made it feasible for me. I kind of liked it. So if they don't, man, it's going to really be hard to watch. But hey, look, I'm not one to kick a gift horse in the balls here. I mean, at least we're getting the Olympics, right? Like, I can't wait to watch Russia cheat some more. Are they allowed to compete? I should have checked that. I think they got suspended, right? Yeah, I'll have to look it up now. But not now. I hope we can look back at this in five years and say, you know, man, look how much everything changed back then. I'm glad that's over. I hope we can say that instead of looking further back and wishing things were the way they'd been all our lives. I mean, look at what we took for granted. Simple things like being able to sit next to strangers without wearing a mask. Massive crowds of people cheering together. And now we're faced with this. Oh, please, God, don't let this suck. We only get to see Olympic athletes compete every couple of years, summer, then winter. Don't let it end like this. And I didn't mean to compare this to the Oscars, okay? The Oscars did it to themselves. They had it coming. It wasn't just the pandemic. They screwed the pooch years ago. The Olympics deserve better. Right, so I thought this week I'd go a whole show without talking about pizza. Because my oven wasn't supposed to arrive until next week. But lo and behold, it showed up on my uh, door on Saturday. So I put it together and I stared at it for a day before I finally decided to burn some fuel through it, which I was told you're supposed to do. You know, lots of impurities and chemicals and stuff need to burn that stuff off before you use it. That's always a good idea. So I did that. Dude, this thing scared the shit out of me. Fire is barfing out of the chimney of this thing. The inside of the oven looked like the gates of hell. Stone got to like 600 degrees in 10 minutes. I'm thinking, 
how in the hell am I going to cook a pizza in this thing without burning the shit out of it? So I started making my dough on Saturday. I was going to do the whole two-day fermentation on it. I was going to wait an extra day on Monday. I was going to do it till Tuesday. Because Monday, I'm like, I want to build my confidence, right? I'm talking to my brother, and he goes, dude, no, get out there. Get it over with. Your dough's ready. Get it to room temp. Fire it up. Make some pies. So I did. So there's a huge learning curve to stuff like this. Now, you remember, I've been cooking on a Baker Stone oven. It's this, you know, steel or aluminum oven. It's got a, a clay uh, insert. So there's like a little clay oven inside of it. You just put it on top of your gas grill and heat it up. You don't have to feed a fire. You don't have to monitor flames. You, there's no front door on it. I've got to keep this front door, this oven, cl- uh, the front door to the oven closed. You know, if you're not putting food in it or taking food out, it's got to stay closed. So there's so much less to manage with a baker stone. So for ease of use, I would recommend sticking with something like that. But if you like to tinker and you're a pyromaniac like me, <laughs> get one of these. So I started with a small amount of pellets, I think about 250 grams, and I lit it with a propane torch that gets the fire going. Uh, within minutes, you've got fire blown out of the chimney. And then once the fire goes away and there's just smoke, you start feeding it, uh, you know, these. there's a bed of embers down there. You start feeding it more fuel. And in about 18 minutes, I used my uh, point-and-shoot infrared thermometer, and I read the temperature of the pizza stone inside of it, and it was over 800 degrees. So it was go time with my dough time. And I had already rolled out one of my pies already, and I kind of prepared it on the peel. I put a piece of uh, parchment paper on the peel and put the pizza on top of that so I wouldn't have to deal with the dough sticking to the peel. I didn't know how this was going to work. And I saw this trick where you cut around the pie so there's no paper, you know, flapping out because that shit will catch fire. So I went all margarita this time. I want to keep it simple. Marinara, mozzarella, and then uh, when it came out, some fresh basil from the garden. So I put marinara on it and I chunked fresh mozzarella that I kept in the freezer for about 10 minutes so it was super cold. And this is another special trick. You want your cheese as cold as possible so it melts just as the dough is done and it won't burn. So the pizza slid in there really easy. I closed the door back up, waited about 40 seconds, opened it up, pulled the pizza out to turn it, and then I got the parchment paper out of there. And that was just slightly burned, so no real harm done. Pizza goes back in the oven, Door closed, another 45 seconds, make another quarter turn, kept doing that. Pizza was finished in about four minutes. Came out almost perfect. One area got a little too much char. And then there was another area that kind of didn't get the bright color. But for my first pie in that thing, I was pretty proud of it. So let's talk about this door. And by the way, this is an uni clone made by Big Horn Outdoors. You can look it up on Amazon. The door is kind of a pain in the ass. You're doing so much while you're making pies, right? And I'm on my own. I'm doing everything. And I've got another pie I'm getting ready in the kitchen, right? So you got to keep this door closed for a couple of reasons. You lose heat if it's open. And the fire will go out if the door isn't closed. That's how this thing is designed. So if the fire goes out, you're going to get black soot all over everything, which you don't want. And then you got to restart the fire. So the door was the biggest hurdle for me. It was nerve-wracking, you know? It was a lot of work. But I know that the more I use this thing, the easier it'll get. 
I'll get into a process. And it's just like I was when I made my own bacon for the first time. I had all this excitement and adrenaline was running through my body. So this was the same thing. It was kind of stressful, but it's the right kind of stress. It's good stress. So I'm posting pictures of this thing on Instagram stories. And I've got friends reaching out to me about it. Turns out, all these guys out there already using the uni. I had no idea they were doing this. So I don't see pictures of this stuff. So obviously I'm late to the game here. And Chuck gives me all these great tips. He sends me recipes and stuff. And I'm, you know, I'm ready to learn. I'm a sponge, right? I want to pay attention to tutorials, read up on it. So I've been in pizza mode for over two weeks now. And I need a break from it. Because I've been so excited to get started. But, oh man, that dough though. Jesus, what a great recipe that is. Really great air pockets. The crust is crunchy when you press on it and bounces back at you. And it smells like bread, you know? Fantastic. I'm not saying you should do this, but if you're into really great Neapolitan-style pizza, you should definitely do this. And you see what I'm doing here? Like, I'm still a foodie, even though I got tired of that word. Sounded effeminate and generally just sounded douchey. But I love to cook. Forget the foodie shit. I just love food. I mean, who doesn't? So it's still part of my life. But being able to incorporate some of that into the show, I talk about sports and anything I feel like talking about, you know, fart jokes, all that stuff. This is why I'm doing this. Makes me happy. And I hope I'm striking the right balance here. You know, because this is my life balance. Sports, food, women, relationships, shitty hair car products, stuff like that. (laughs) Man, God bless YouTube, though. If I'm looking at making a purchase that costs me anything over 100 bucks, I'll go to YouTube first and I'll look at reviews and tutorials so I know what you know I might be getting myself into. And I did that for this pizza oven. Ended up watching quite a few of those. And I got to tell you, I feel for some of these people. I can tell when it's one dude filming by himself and doing it all. And I remember how hard it was to put together those, you know, those lengthy videos, making sure that the lighting was right. You know, that I didn't flood my lines, get to work on angles and stuff. It was a mountain of work. And that's why you need a set. If you're going to do stuff like that, you need a section of your house that's just dedicated to doing that. Lights are always up. The backgrounds are all accessible. You walk in, turn your stuff on, you start filming. That's how you do it. Yeah. Oh, did you see this? You probably did. Carl Nassib, he plays for the Las Vegas Raiders. He made an announcement on his uh, social media yesterday that he's gay. Now, he's the first active NFL player to come out. Now, there have been others, but they usually come out after they retired, when it was safe. And one kid was still in college. He came out, and he never got drafted. I can't remember who that was. It, was some, it wasn't that long ago, though. So this is kind of a big story. And this sucks because it shouldn't be a big story. He's gay, so what, right? It's a big story because the NFL isn't exactly a warm and fuzzy place. And announcing that you're gay, you know, while you're still under contract, it could bring, you know, it could bring some shit to you in locker rooms, opposing teams, unruly fans, you know. But the response that he got was great. Got players tweeting in support of him. NFL tweeted about it. Raiders. And they said how proud they were of him. And that was nice. And I think this shows just how mature society is starting to become about homosexuality, at least on the surface. You know, 
being gay has always been something they've been forced to keep secret, which is unfair, obviously. But at the same time, it's kind of offensive that they have to make the announcement at all. Like, none of us have to make the announcement that we're heterosexual, right? But this is the way things have been. It's none of my business who's gay and who's not. It doesn't change how I perceive people. But society, by and large, they're not there yet. And let's agree here. If this were five, ten years ago, this kid would be going down in flames. So we've at least made some progress in understanding that not all of us are the same in that regard. And let's see exactly how much support this kid gets overall, right? I mean, he was brave in making that announcement. Because we don't know what kind of harassment he's going to get from players and other teams, maybe his own teammates. And don't get me started on fans. It could get ugly. Let's hope it doesn't. Because if this works out for him, the floodgates open and players in all sports can just let their guards down and be who they want to be, who they really are, if they feel comfortable with doing that. Because being gay has to suck, man. Having to keep it a secret, that really has to weigh on you, man. You're not sure if you're going to upset your parents or worry about not getting a job or how your friends might react. People can be small. Oh, shit. They had too much sports in this episode. I'm sorry, but I got to hit on this. <laughs> I do have this one more thing. It's going to be quick, though. I'm sorry for any of you who hate sports. <laughs> this is a lot. Remember the story from last week? The Tampa Bay pitcher, Glasnow, he was complaining that he got hurt because he was forced to pitch without using sunscreen and sweat on his ball, which Major League Baseball had now deemed illegal because it was helping pitchers hold the ball better. Well, last night... This pitcher for the Nationals, Max Scherzer, was facing the Phillies. Now, Joe Girardi, who's managing the Phillies, he doesn't like what he's seeing from Scherzer. So he tells the umps in the first inning to go check Max for substances. So they do. No substances. He's clean. All right. So a couple innings later, Max is still kicking their ass. Girardi sends the umps to the mound to check again. Now, that's a little egregious. All right. Twice in one game. But okay, fine. Umps find nothing. No substances. The very next inning, he does it again. But this time, when Max sees the umps coming to the mound, he gets pissed off. He throws his hat on the ground, starts to undo his belt. Right? Like here, you want to put your finger up my ass? Check for substances? And the umps get really upset with him. You know, because he had that outburst. But like, what's this guy supposed to do? Just go with it? He called him a cheater. Twice already. And now for the third time in four innings. Fuck that. And baseball complains about slow play. We need to speed the game up. Well, this is ridiculous. And it's getting out of hand. I talked with my friend Jason. He pitched in the minor leagues. He was a star pitcher for USC when he was younger. He gave me quite an education. You know, spitballs work wonders. Simple amount of spit helps. Like, advantages are part of baseball. You find a way to work around them if you don't like it. But like batters are allowed to use pine tar for grip. So what happens if a pitcher touches a bat in the dugout before he goes to the mound? It's on his fingers. It's on the ball. But it's not on his cap. It's nowhere else. It's almost like you have to find new ways to, you know, to get around this stuff. Baseball's got a problem. Girardi didn't give up last night, man. 
He kept taunting Max until the ums finally threw him out of the game. Max said later he was using rosin and sweat, and that's allowed, right? For now. After the game, he was fired up, man. He says, uh, these are Rob Manfred rules. Manfred is baseball's commissioner. He said, go ask him what he wants to do about this. He says, go ask Alec, Alec Bohm how he feels about 95 miles an hour at his face. <laughs> Don't piss pitchers off, man. They'll end you. Okay, lots of sports. Little pizza talk. Did I miss anything? Nope. I didn't bring the funny either, but whatever. Oh, man, I wrote a filthy joke last week. So badly wanted to tell it on the show, but I thought better of it. I kept it, though. Maybe when I'm ready for the show to go down in flames, I'll tell that joke. Thanks for listening. Until next time, my name is Phil. This has been Innate. Cheers. Cheers.